Hello and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this episode, this podcast, we are going to be covering, among other things, <laughs> episode five of season one, Digging Up Bones. Written by Shelley Scarrow, directed by Paolo Barsman, and this episode aired April 29th, 2016. And just getting it out there quickly, the spoiler warning, as always, if you're new to the podcast, awesome, welcome. But realize that anything and everything from the entire series up through the end of season four is fair game for discussion. So just be aware. Gloves are off. We, we can't control ourselves. We'll talk about anything at this point. And everything. I had several notes here that lead to things later on. So I wanted to make sure they get that spoiler warning in there. Ooh, good. Go nuts. <laughs> All right. So we did get some listener feedback. This is from Jen at Peacemaker29. And Jen goes on to say, since I can't stop thinking about this now, since I finished listening to the first episode, I got to get either of your takes on this, LOL. So when you guys are talking about Winona and Peacemaker, Anne brought up the quote and says, I don't do guns. I couldn't shoot a lawman at zero paces. And he brought up how maybe Peacemaker has a mind of its own. And then in parentheses, which honestly, I have no idea why I never thought of it that way. And it makes so much sense. Uh, so they were like emojis head blown. Anyway, it got this person thinking that this quote may be meant to imply that Peacemaker really does act on its own, since she in fact did shoot a lawman when she shot her dad in the back. Um, the writer goes on to say, maybe they are reading too much into it, but it seems like an oddly specific way to phrase that she's a bad shot. They want to, they're wondering if the writers were trying to tell us from the very beginning that maybe she doesn't have as much control over Peacemaker as we are led to believe. Uh, and they say they have so many thinky thoughts on this one. And this is what had them up at 6 a.m. in the morning thinking. So I appreciate that other people find Winona Earp creeping into their subconscious at all times. <laughs> and I'm laughing because talk about been there, done that, totally get it. Great observation. Um, and yeah, we've talked about for many years, uh, whether in podcast form, online, panels, other stuff, you know, as we're going to see, there's going to be lots of examples of this idea of possible sentience. And, and you know, as, as you said, the writers putting out very early on, you know, right down to that scene in the first episode when Winona's trying to practice at the, uh, you know, welcome to purgatory sign and literally can't hit it from like five feet away. And so. it's it's something that we keep bringing up over and over again now that we've seen, you know, seasons one through four. And we look back how much was laid in front of us, how much of these things were things that Emily and the other writers were dropping in front of us the whole time. Were they things we were supposed to miss? Were we supposed to catch them? We don't know. Will we ever know? We don't know. And I think that's a lot of the fun of it is that everyone can have their own theories and, um, you know, what other shows get you thinking at 6am in the morning where all of a sudden you have a thought and you're like, I can't stop thinking about this all of a sudden. I need to talk with other herpers. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's part of the fun is when these things sometimes just hit it. Sometimes it's during the watch, you know, especially now making notes many years later, but even first time through sometimes. It's just, it's funny how sometimes these things just pop in your head when you're thinking about some of the stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for writing in. If you have thoughts, please don't hesitate to either tweet them to us or email them to us or even leave a voicemail because that's what uh, adds a, another fun element to the show is just is hearing some other people's thoughts. So absolutely. We, we don't feel coming. like we're the only cuckoo ones here uh, every week <laughs> talking to each other. It's like our support yeah. group, right, Kevin? <laughs> please, please let us know we're not as crazy as we think we are. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anne and I'm an herber. <laughs> this is our support group of two. Uh, I'm going to overthink everything and anything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so right off the bat, this episode, you know, we we come into the scene where Winona's having this nightmare, and we find out that this is a nightmare about Willa. Willa, Willa. Uh, she does something to me; it makes me stutter a little bit. And uh, Waverly ends up coming to her aid, hands her some water, and Winona jokes, asking if it's beer o'clock. And she goes on to say that if you mix it with some tomato juice, it's breakfast. And then Waverly says, only if you throw a raw egg and some horseradish in there too, daddy. And then Winona moves and Peacemaker falls to the ground. And what follows is Waverly saying, you know what? You really can't keep going on like this, killing people and pretending like it doesn't affect you. And I don't know about you, but I got such strong 410 vibes out of that scene. Um, And I just thought, look at how this has been on Waverly's mind from the beginning that Winona was way too close to becoming a drunk like Ward. Well, not only that too, but also reminding us that uh, the, the impact, the consequences of doing this, you know, and, and you know, emotional impact, um, you know, we're going to end up with that obviously very much a big part of every season, but certainly the end of four again, how Winona, you know, tries to, have it very much at arm's length, very much detached, then too internalized and then trying to deal with all of that and Waverly always being there and aware of this and trying to talk to her about it, no matter how much she wants to joke about beer o'clock that, hey, no, if you're waking up in the middle of the night with these things and we're only a few episodes into the series, you know, that's just going to be weighing heavily more and more as time goes on. So it's again, it's all it's all of it from the impact of, of the drinking, which is part of who she is to how she's dealing with that, using the drinking to deal with the emotional impact too. Right. And how we're just going to see, um, you know, that mixed in there with, yes, they're busy uh, fighting demons and revenants, uh, but how it's just going to slowly just erode at her, just chip away at her until we see how it you know, kind of comes to a head in season four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a lot of it even coming to a head here very much. Uh, we'll talk a little more when we get close to the end dealing with uh, Fish and Levi uh, and the impact of that on us, uh, on not only Winona, but us as viewers, I think a little bit. I'll save some of my thoughts there because I think it wraps better as we get towards the end. But yes, it's again in the light of looking at all four seasons. Right. Um, very yeah. much right there start yeah, with it's just like wow and and especially since because those later episodes of season four are fresh in my head i was just like oof i feel like i just dealt with this in a heavy way <laughs> sure enough we did also just you know all these 
these flashes of Willa we get in this episode. You know, she's been brought up before, but this episode really is kind of like we're seeing the dream and Winona's wearing the same dress that Willa's wearing when we see that developed photo later on. And then where we we go on and we have Waverly and Winona talking about her and Waverly saying how she misses her and she, you know, she can't quite remember her as much as she used to be able to. And we have Bobo talking her uh, about her. It's just, we didn't know it then, but it's like, it's setting it all up right in front of our noses for her to come back. I did not see it coming then. Well, I've got a question for you. It's funny in my notes, but I wanted to ask you, I'm curious, first time through the series, because yes, yeah, so obviously beautiful breadcrumbs for Willa coming back, you know, and only a few episodes. Um, did you expect her back? No. That early? No. Yeah, it's funny. I remember a conversation that was happening online, you know, early during season one. Um, and I know I definitely, and, and there were many other folks, I think, similarly, were expecting first, I bet it's mom, not thinking Willa was even going to be in play. So I just, on these rewatches, that's when I go, oh, there's all the breadcrumbs about Willa coming back. Yeah. And so strong, like strong, but not like, not like in your face. Like they make like sense. Me, no, These are not memories. Neon, like, look what we're going to do to you. Do, right. Do, like, no, geez, like what would happen if she were still alive? No, I mean, it was just like, you know, uh, organic memories that are coming to the surface and just the way it was done and to have her wearing the same dress that they then like that creeped me out a little bit this time. I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure I realized it before, but I was like, what's up with the dress like that? Like, <laughs> did she have like this premonition that she was like going to end up getting this photo? Like how this whole dream thing is really trippy in the way that it comes back with that developed photo. Yeah. It's a nice way to pull it together too. And it's, it's a little thing that you might not catch certainly first time through or only on a single watch. Um, again, a reward for, for those of us who, you know, watch the episodes multiple times or go back into, you know, rewatches of the series. I thought, you know, very, very nice, very nice way to do it. Um, I also liked here fairly early on on the more fun side of things. Uh, you know, we've got one of our first times where we're going to joke about doing math in the series and having a little fun with that. Like Waverly talking about, you know, percentage of revenants taken down so far, you know. I did notice that. And I was like, is that one a GIF? I know there are other ones, but is that one one? It should be, if not. It, yeah, it definitely should be. <laughs> and you know, another thing, and I'm curious, pinging around on several things here, Butterbar, total MO. Um, the whole stuff with Levi, you know, and, and um, you know, him literally gnawing his own foot off uh, to get away from where he was. You know, it's, I've seen some things come up in conversations with some fans. And, and for me, I did not remember as much, shall we say, horror elements as there are, especially early in season one. Yeah, that was, it was pretty grisly. <laughs> yeah, a little more grisly than I remember, more horror elements, certainly early on. Even the sounds were more grisly than I remember them being. <laughs> and um, I, I had, I went back also to what episode is it i was i was trying to double check because here we go pinging around is that the same place that doc takes aim into i'm going to guess yes because i'm trying to visualize it in my head that's an excellent observation Anne. that's why i went back to it because at first i was like okay well 
he didn't drag him. Oh, like we didn't have that in that scene where like mm-hmm. he doesn't physically drag him over the line. And the, the grizzly sounds are when, you know, Doc's like, you can have him do whatever you want with him. Um, but I remember drawing that parallel then where it's like, he's like Bobo making a, an example out of Eamon. Like, yes, very and, much. Um, you know, very much in the way that Bobo did with Levi. So then, but I was like, is that the same place? And I, I don't feel like Eamon's outcome was that he sizzled to death or was in that excruciating pain. I, I get the impression that they like ate him because of the sounds that were going mm-hmm. on. So that yeah. threw me off. But so then I looked and the posts that you see like surrounding that area gave me the, the impression that it was the same place. Yeah, no, that's an excellent observation. That's another one of those ones I'm going to have to stick in the back of my brain for when we get to that point. Yeah. And, and <laughs> all that just to say, yeah, I don't remember as much. Like I, I know Casey brings like she gags during some of the gory parts, <laughs> but this one was, I was like, Oh, the sounds and the, it's like, I also remember um, in this episode, the sounds of the flies was really yeah, strong yeah. when they went back to that scene. And I was like, Oh, I don't remember that, but that's good. That's like a really good, like a touch. <laughs> well, and one thing for me is um, certainly going five years on now, since it premiered for me, I know I now have a much better television and a much better sound system in my TV room. So part of me is wondering, hmm, is it just a better sound system that I'm noticing these flies? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> you know, or just like you said, awareness that it's going to be there. That's, that's, that's one of those things I have to catch myself on some of these things. Or is it the situation where it's like, you know the general plot, so you don't have to pay as much attention to that. So you're in tune to picking other up things. other senses, yeah. or mm-hmm. using other senses. Yeah, yep. sure. Yep. That's part of the, that's part of the fun for me, certainly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know what question I was answering with that one because then I just went <laughs> off on a tangent. But uh, I don't. That's, that's <laughs> it doesn't us, <right>? matter. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to the middle for at least a little while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Theme wise, I just I liked that like revenge and vengeance were really getting tossed around a lot. And then again, I was just, you know, it was pinging me back to season four and how that all kind of circled back around. I mean, for me, a good part of what I'm feeling and sensing in this, you know, using this episode as the focus too is some of the items that are going to be setting up for, for the entire series, along with some parallels to later. Um, the, the thing that always stuck with me, even back then, and again, is just goosebumps getting it now, is just the exchange with uh, Bobo and Waverly in the jail, talking, you know, with him talking to her about the depths that neither of us know the bottom of yet. I mean, our cute little Waverly at this point in the series, what is he talking about? We, you know, never knowing what we're going to get. Talk about laying a foundation for years later. That just gives me goosebumps thinking about that. Yeah. And it was just, you know, that scene where she goes and she confronts Bobo in the prison cell and she's like, you know, who told you I was watching you? It's just so unexpected. Like we see these fiery bits of her, but I remember then being like, 
what are you doing? And like, who let you pass a door to <laughs> to get in with this psychopath? Like, what are you doing? Um, and she's like, you know, there's some comment about, you know, I'm not your lunch or something like that. And he's like, did you bring me my lunch? And she's like, well, hopefully it's not me or something like that. And I'm just like, what are you doing in there? And I felt the same way, um, you know, when she went to go visit him in the the asylum or the psych ward that time too, later on, it's just like, yes. and him, yeah, talking about the depths, it's, I don't well, know. Again, we got to we got to bring back the the whole Vision Quest episode and Bobo's yeah. connection to Waverly, his yeah. angel, and all of this. And again, now in a, in a different focus when watching it, it just God, I love it. I just love that thinking about it, what it means, and seeing her do it, and then, like you said, seeing it happen at other times, and what it means. Um, goodness, I just because at the time, certainly not for me. First time through, oh, this, I'm not going to say it's a throwaway line, but it's one of those, oh, that's slightly interesting, but no idea what it's going to mean. You're right. wondering if it's just Bobo playing her again, you know? Yeah, because he just says crazy stuff no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and t- just trying to rattle you, get you off your game. So was there any truth to it or not? You know, first time around, first time through the series? I don't know, but it's the, it's the kind of stuff that you just you just love to see and hear coming back to. And um, to have like all this 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 mystery around like what is this whole situation their their history together like you know they're always talking about what he did to their family and like what you know is it is it something more like at this point we're not thinking it's anything more than just like you know revenants and the curse and then he you know she's like why did you choose me and he says that he chose her because she was in- angry mm. but that's not true it's because she was you know, marked as his angel, which we would go on to find out later. So that's well, all yeah, just... but also part of what's eventually going to happen with our dark Waverly talking about end of season four. Um, and we saw a little bit of it in the blade episode with Waverly being upset that Winona got to be the, the special one. She still does have a bit of that. I don't know what the word is. Um, he calls it anger. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, her just feeling it should have been different um, and, and somehow, and maybe that's being the little sister part of it too, between what happens with Willa and Winona. Uh, and as we come to find out some of the other things that Willa did to her um, and eventually the, you know, the discussion in the treehouse at the end of the season about not even being an earth, you know, there's a, there's a lot of baggage here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole thing, like, you know, we're, we're, we're so early on focusing on Winona. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that's made so clear in the beginning with the conversations with Gus and the whole town, you know, just kind of bad mouthing Winona. So it's like, okay, we've set the stage that Winona's got some baggage. But yeah, here's like where we really start to see all this this questioning about, you know, Waverly's baggage, because initially we don't seem to be aware that she has any because you know she's the nicest girl in purgatory so it doesn't seem like anything bad's happened to her right like she she got out unscathed and um here's where those seeds of doubt really start to get planted like with the whole you know the measuring thing on the wall and all these little like you said breadcrumbs that just make us go 
wow, mm-hmm. what's her whole story? Yeah. But yeah. also still not thinking it's going to be you're an angel and you eventually grow big black wings <laughs> and get really scary. None of that's on my <laughs> frontal lobe at this time. Not even the twinkle in the eye. Exactly. <laughs> but interesting is all get out when we go back to it here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, just I love the whole like darkness. Like, I, I just don't even remember if I questioned that too much. I mean, I again, it was just like, he's is he just messing with her or does he know something? Because it just doesn't seem like she could possibly have a darkness, right? Especially at this point. No. And I think if I'm, you know, going on my faulty memory a little bit back when we were in season one and shortly after, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a raised eyebrow, like when you do when only season one was available and you do a rewatch and that line is there. But then as, as we know now, by the time you go through season one and into season two, we're not seeing anything. So it kind of starts to just go to the background a bit of, Okay, probably a one-off line from Bobo. You know what I'm saying? So seeing how it weaves through and eventually starts to build, we get it a little bit with, um, uh, you know, when she touches the goo and Mixion a little bit in season two, uh, but that's not really her. That's more Mixion. But, but just, again, the idea of Emily and the writing staff going through these things, what things we're going to drop when, when we bring them back. It's just the brilliance of that. Again, just being rewarded so much in a show like this. Absolutely. Because I, I also have, I don't know about you, I also have, you know, loving to pick out some of the firsts uh, in the show for certain things that become uh, big for all of us. Um, and I'm jumping around a bit. But when Wine Owner is going to see Vinny, mm-hmm. um, she busts in by kicking down the door. Oh, good one. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I had forgotten that. Um, and, and that's going to be such a key thing going forward that it just jumped out at me on this rewatch when she got there and busted down the door that way. I'm like, oh, wow, that's right. I, you know, I wonder if anybody's been keeping track of when those are. Yeah. But, but that, was a, that was a cool one that really brought it back, too, for me. That was a good one. Good, good catch. What about this Kreiderman guy? What a jerk. What a jerk. But you know what I love about this storyline with him is this is another big step, in my opinion, certainly, for uh, our episode where we start to see more of, shall we say, the good dolls. Um, this is his chance to, even without Winona there, stand up for, not want to take any of his shit, um, Kreiderman's, I mean, and, and still while having all of his issues sometimes with Winona and her going in any direction at any time, still standing up for him. So I know for me, this was a time where, okay, this guy's, I'm actually starting to warm up to him a lot more. So I, I thought that was an interesting part of the Kreiderman stuff. Uh, I mean, the reveal at the very end of the photo, you mm-hmm. know, on the, on the mantle there, you know, just reinforcing that he's one of the bad ones. I paused and rewound so many times in this episode trying to see if we could see that photo. So, you know, in the, the part when dolls is like, I've seen this photo before and he has mm-hmm. like the flashback to it's like right below that Bobcat. Yep. So I kept going back to the scenes where we're in his, in office, his office and I'm trying <laughs> to, f- I'm like, okay, there's the Fox, but where's, the- and then I see the Bobcat and you don't see it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I like pause in the right, if 
just in the right spot if I'll see it, but I didn't, I never saw it. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think they gave us a chance to catch it. No, because I was just wondering like, how did, did, how did Winona not see it? She was in there and she mm. would have seen how it said Earp at the top how, that would have caught her eye. And also uh, shifting similar topic. Um, what did you think? For me, this was also an episode where we really, I think, start to see a lot more of the attraction Winona has for dolls. Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm skewed, I'm sure, because I'm, I've always been team doc. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, like, I, I still am not, like... I know where where you're coming from, where I see that like he's starting to show a little bit more of his soft side, but it's like still not enough for me at this point. It's like, but I I mean, come on with with all of that bit with the coffee and put on, you know, put on your coffee and the shirt and. Oh, she was definitely (laughs) flustered by like. And not even just the physical. Yeah. And not even the physical part. I think the part where, when they knew they were going to do the whole, um, you know, heading out to, to see Bobo, the search warrant and all when Martin owner is still thinking he's totally by the book and, and dolls are saying, yeah, well, Crichton is not going to know what we're going to do. And she's like, Oh, there is a little rebel in there. That's yeah. And he says not more. so little. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, this is definitely becoming more my type. I think so. I always kind of thought of this one as a, Oh, okay. I kind of see where we're going with some of this. I do see like there is that break where, he's obviously learned enough about her to learn that that's like her, her love language, like the crass, dirty humor. And he feels comfortable enough to like make that joke with her because, Mm -hmm. you know, everything has been super professional up until this point. Um, Because yeah, that could be an HR nightmare if (laughs) you're making a comment like that, but he's like, okay, I'm like sliding in here. Um, But in that scene, so there, he's getting ready. They're going to go serve that search warrant. He puts on a bulletproof vest. He doesn't give Winona one. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? Well, I, I think in my head can a little bit is, again, he is still thinking, I'm the one out in front. I'm going to be the one talking to Bobo. You're supposed to be kind of just there to help. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have had one for him. But again, he is still thinking that you're kind of, you're supposed to be not as involved as she is, as we find out from jumping on the car hood and taking out a few rounds. I don't know. So. I'm going to pull this thread hard. He doesn't give <laughs> little Waverly one. She's just supposed to hide behind some old cars and take some pictures. She gets no bulletproof vest. Why Nona gets no vests? Didn't say I had an answer for it. Wow. But in my head, Tannen, I kind of follow where they're going. I swear, this could have been. <laughs> I get it. They looked much better without them. <laughs> It's just not as much skin and cleavage is showing with the bulletproof vests. I get it, but gosh. <laughs> well, yes. I, I guess we were saving the really important one for later. In the Ex- I guess wink, the wink, budget. <laughs> the budget only had two, and they we're using one later. Right. We got to save that one for Nicole. <laughs> uh, like I say, head cannon. You can make anything work. <laughs> yeah, we had we had to save the budget for that important yeah, bulletproof vest. That's an important one for later. So back to this Kreiderman, uh, I was really aware this time of just how uncomfortable Winona was being in his office. 
like she was bouncing her legs, just, you know, listening to him spew all this BS about her being a bad seed and, you know, talking about her father and how, you know, hoping the the dead rest easy, just, you know, another towny jerk from her past who's in this power position. And she's kind of like forced to just sit here and listen to it while Dolls does his magic and kind of like paves the way for them both. Well, and we've seen it so many times now. She, you know, when you talk about going back to her past, anything from her past, just about since it's so many bad memories, she, she physically does a good job of reminding us why she doesn't want to go to any of it. And Kreiderman certainly just heaps on it even more, uh, you know, in his comments too. It, it just gives us a chance, I think, as a viewer to just hate him even more, to feel more identified with Winona, to want to have her be able to get out of that scene even faster. I love that she, it's a small thing, but I love that after things go poorly with the search warrant and, and dolls are saying how, you know, now I got to go back to Kreiderman and she's like, okay, fine. I'll go with you. I mean, you know, that was, I thought good of her because of how much we know she'd hate to do that. I think too, it just, it showed like a little bit of maturity for her too, at this point where she was as uncomfortable as it was for her she was letting it take the progression that it needed, like going through the proper channels. She was letting him do the policey work the proper way as much. I mean, until later as we see, but at that point in time in the office, she was like, okay, this is the way it needs to be done. I get it as uncomfortable as this is. Um, But I think too, that that scene had to happen too, for it just to be another spot where dolls got a glimpse of, what Winona's life has been and what this town living in this town has been like for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's more information to it. So I, I just think it's, it's nice to see it in the sense of understanding more of it, uh, feeling more of it. Certainly for me, I think that's what I do on some of these rewatches. I, again, just each time we see a scene like this. And, and as you pointed out, when we see her physical mannerisms, the nerves, the, the jittery leg and all of that, um, just identify, you know, let's me identify more with her uh, and appreciate, you know, how far she's come, even though she's still, <laughs> uh, you know, her, she's still Winona. So, right. yeah, and speaking of she's still Winona, I guess this is the tangent cast for me. Um, I get such a kick out of the scene when they're doing the, the, the search um, for everything there and Waverly's there you know, with the, with the uh, camera and Winona loses it and jumps up on the hood when Waverly does the famous up oh, is Winona going all Winona again. Yeah. I mean, such a fun part of the show, but also, and I'll try to, I'll try to grab the link, uh, get it to the end to put in the show notes for those who might be newer to the show. Um, there was a 30 second promo that was like the staple that sci-fi used, like they do for any of their shows when they're airing uh, that they would just ran over and over and over. You know, we all would complain they weren't promoting it enough. But when they did run a promo, it was this, it was one that had that right smack in the middle of it. So it's just, it it gives me such a a nice warm feeling when I see that happen in the show, because I remember it being part of what they were using um, to promote the show, you know? So it's, it's just got great memories coming back for more reasons. Yeah. And it's one that definitely has stuck in, you know, how you said that, you know, it's, it's nice to see that she's still Winona and it's nice to see that even through all of her progression, 
she does really stay Winona. She has, she has this growth in so many areas, but it's like, she's still Winona. We're still like, oh, she's going all Winona all the way to, to the end. Right. It's like, that's right. Never know what's going to happen. Never know what that girl's going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we love her. Exactly. Yeah. I love seeing that. Uh, I just wanted to talk quickly about the truck having just watched 412 and, you know, basically seeing the truck die <laughs> in 412. I just wanted to appreciate how good the truck looked in the beginning <laughs> yes. and how much of a beating it took throughout the whole series, but it kept on going much like our heroes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there were many episodes where we thought this really shouldn't be still going, but it, we end up seeing it all the way through 412. So we it's do. pretty impressive. It is. It is. And and if any of you have listened to the set visit podcasts that we did on Tales of the Black Badge, Bonnie and Bridget and I, um, seeing the truck when we first pulled into the big uh, parking area, when we first got to set, before you see anything Winona related, all we'd seen was just long dirt roads and then pulled in to see the truck. That's what made that real. That was... So, yeah, the truck symbolizes so many things on the show and, and also in the fandom, certainly for, for myself and, and I know for Bonnie. And it symbolizes just that. It may get the crap beat out of it, but just like us as a fandom sometimes, still keep going. Keeps running. Mm-hmm. Keeps going. Finding a way. <laughs> um, so, so that part where Kreiderman says that his superiors... Oh, maybe I shouldn't go there yet. Well, this is going to make me go there. So, so after the raid, Dolls is like, you know, clearly the raid doesn't go exactly how they had hoped. <laughs> Winona goes all Winona, which is awesome, by the way. And it was one of the things that was another thread that I had to like start to pull when she asks how, you know, how far it is to Puerto Vallarta. And that was when I was trying to get a landmark of like, where exactly is purgatory? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, purgatory is more in Canada than it is the United States. (laughs) So I I did a little Googling there. Yes. I recall that happening a lot. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So I was pleased to see that again. But um, so, you know, he's unhappy with how it goes. He's like, you know, your way isn't working. Now I've got a cover for you which he kind of does, but then later on, we're going to see that he doesn't really do. So I'm just, I'm confused. Like, is this more of his fear of BBD or is he like covering for himself? Because then we get that, that part where Kreiderman gives him, um, you know, he's like, listen, your superiors called me and they want to know exactly like what's going on around here. And there's this moment where Dolls is kind of like, he looks worried. And I didn't pay much attention to that when I watched this the first time. But now that we realize who his supervisors were or who his supervisor was and how dangerous BBD is and how BBD used him and, you know, had manipulated him and all the things we're going to find out later, you know, how much of everything he's doing is 
because it's his job and how much of it is because like he's afraid of what BBD's capable of and could do to him as well. And I think as, as we all know, we're going to see a lot more of that play out. I mean, who do you think's name was on that? Note? Had to be Lucado, right? You think it was Lucado or yeah, it wasn't any high. I, I thought so. I didn't think it was any of the higher than there because as we come to find out there, she is pushing him for, you know, real tangible evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's playing a bit of the cocky, uh, guy, but like you know, it's it's a bit of a facade because yeah, he's. I think he knows he's a kind of on fragile ground, if you will. Plus, he's still got all the other stuff, BBD and his meds and everything. So yeah, I just took it as a um, as being from Lucado. So that was just interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess our other option would be Moody, but we don't hear a lot about him until later, and he's not as pivotal as Lucado is. Yeah, and I, and I don't see Dolls as as concerned with Moody, even though he might be higher in the food chain than he is with Lucado because he knows Lucado's got it out for him. Right. And they have that history. Yeah. From Kandahar as well, too. So yep. yeah, so that's who I think it was. But you're right, first time through or early on, you're not really getting the importance of that or what it right. might mean until we start to see more of season one play out. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just, it's so interesting to be like part those parts where it's like, excuse, not necessarily a throwaway, but it's all, you know, part of the building blocks to the bigger picture. And then later on, it's like, mm, like if I could just see that piece of paper, I just <laughs> want to see the name. Well, like an area code or a name. <laughs> yeah, something. something. <laughs> just throw me a little bone here. <laughs> oh, bone. See what I did there? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Speaking of bones, what about the exchanges between Constance and Bobo? I mean, this is just nuts, okay? I I just think the two of them are nuts. I, them together, like, so them separately, very good on their own, standalone villains, right? right? But together, like... There are things that you watch when you're like, I shouldn't be watching this because it just it's bad, but it's so good and it's so wrong. And today when I was watching it, like I think when I originally watched it, I was just like, gross, gross, gross. Bobo, you're a bad guy. You are a bad woman. Like what? You should not be licking her shoe. This is all bad. And then today I I watched it in this different way and I was like, this is such a good scene because it's so like, okay, I'm going to get a little dirty here for a minute, but it's not my fault because Bobo and Constance started it. It's like every like man in a TV show doing the like blow job scene, right? where she's like, but she's in this power position. She's got him in the submissive position and she's telling him to suck it. And it's just like that role flip. And it's done in a way where it's a shoe. And like, a heel. <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind today. I was just, it was a lot. <laughs> well, I think for me, again, early in the, in the season or early in your rewatches villains interesting and then when they come together we have to remember as we're going to see later on 
they've known each other for so long. The two of them are playing against each other so badly. They both want something that the other is trying to help them with that they just can't stand each other and have to find a way to try to one-up each other. Uh, so often, I, I just, I expect there were so many more of these very similar scenes just off camera. And it's just, for the actors, it's interesting as heck to watch the two of them go at it because it's in both of the scenes, whether it's the one with, with the heel licking when, when she's making him do that. And later on when he's got most of her uh, bones there for her and she's lying down in the middle of them. Yeah. Um, and he's still pulling the string like, yeah, you can't have him yet though. I need my lead, which we have no idea what that is yet. Right. So, but they're saying it and we don't even like it. that comes later. And it's like, what the, yeah. I think I have an episode called what the fuck is the lead? Or just <laughs> what is the lead? And then I was thinking, what like but the, those is, two scenes are just like wtf right? what is what am i watching right now what but you're is so committed you just keep what going does it mean? and then i'm thinking i would love to see their origin story like how many times have they crossed paths all these interactions they've had all these behind the scenes deals they've had where it's like you get me this i'll get you the lead you know is he talking to her saying okay i've got a femur but i don't have this like i'm almost done but i still need this like or just through the history of time you know we go back and we see that the vision quest stuff where they've got more history but like that'd be such a cool origin story just to watch like the bad guys and their interactions i mean they have been getting on each other's nerves for 100 hundreds of years whatever so it's just but we don't know it yet. So it, it, it just looks like a WTF scene. I right. think I understand it more now after four seasons and some of the stuff we see. But wow, it's just kudos to the actors just totally going way out there. I know. And just, just so entertaining. like entertaining is all get out to watch, too. And it's, it's got to be fun to just play such an absurd situation, <laughs> like just so absurd. Now, when. Was it in when they were trying to get the search warrant? They're talking about, you know, he was seen, you know, Bobo's guys were seen bringing in boxes, crates five feet by two feet wide or whatever. What did you think was in those boxes? Initially on first watch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was guns. Me too. But then later on, I'm like, that's like a short person's coffin. Yeah, it's it it holds the bones. Yeah, the bones for these guys that they've been finding. Yeah, it, but at first you're right, no idea what it is, and yeah, good good misdirect, very good misdirect. Yeah, I'm like he's a gun runner. It's that's got to be what it is. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also didn't really realize until this pass through. Um, that Bobo and Constance both have the power of telekinesis. Well, we know Bobo and what he can do. Right. We watch him take Peacemaker right out of I know in his hand. I mean, that was quite shocking the first mm-hmm. time. But her being a witch, I just figure she's got spells and ways to do things up her sleeve. Right. Because later on, she throws Waverly against the barn in the skull episode. Mm-hmm. Without touching her. Right. But I just wonder, like, what's that? Con- like, is there a connection there that they both have that power? 
I mean, not one that we've been told. Yeah. Well, I hadn't really kind of gone there. I did find it very interesting too. When Bobo mentioned to her that, you know, he could tell that she was quote terrified of doc holiday. That was a little interesting bit. We'll learn more about come a couple episodes from now too. So Mm -hmm. I was like, really? He is, she is. I mean, I, I didn't pick up on that. So I kind of wondered what it meant. Certainly first time through, um, you know, as we'll come to find out. Another great quote in the show is, uh, well, I'll just ask you, Kevin, what's better than dynamite? Boobs. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Again, another scene played a lot in promos. (laughs) Never gets old either. And that whole, like, the whole scene is like, I close my eyes and I can see it so clearly. (laughs) This is two women turn around and she's like, oh, crap, this isn't going to work, is it? (laughs) Not what I had hoped. (laughs) She gets Doc in there. Time for Doc, he... yeah. Time for Doc to play his part. Oh, it's <laughs> too funny. But we also get related to that when 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 Winona and Fish pull a heist, still in the photos. Um, again, another Mel face when Dolls, you know, gets the drop on them. The face she gives him, talk about totally conveying the, please let me go. <laughs> Even though I'm stealing from our own office, is just man, that is Mel. Just look at that face. That's all I'm gonna say. Just look at it. If you I know. really look at it, she just conveys it so perfectly. There, it's like a little kid with the hand caught in the cookie jar. The um, when Constance breaks in and finds Doc in the BBD offices, which which like it's funny for a second before she gets there because he's like oh this is what bbd is like right he's like mm-hmm. oh, i can slink around but no one's here at that point in time you're wondering like why didn't she just kill him but then we find out later on that it's because they're linked but at that point in time it's like they both had this face off she has this ability to kind of paralyze him but i was like why didn't she just kill him at that point in time Oh yeah. I mean, as we're coming to find too, she just adores tormenting him more than killing him. This is true. He's her little toy. Just make him even more. Especially when we find out why she put him in the well and didn't just kill him then either. Like Mm -hmm. what a mess. Like, Oh, she's so bad. So (laughs) bad, but also so good. Just (laughs) love to hate her. (laughs) Oh yes. Juicy, juicy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for a minute, the whole fish scene where like, you know, Waverly stops the car. First of all, Waverly recognizes like Winona peeling out of that area was like hazardous, you know, Doc's like, oh, she just needs to chill out and have a cigarello. And Waverly's look is like, no, this is something more. Right. So they, they go after her. Um, but what did you think of that moment where, you know, they see Doc and Waverly see that Winona's like stuck there with this revenant. Did you think that was genuine when Doc saw Fish that he was like excited to see him? Or do you feel like he was just distracting Fish with that big reception he gave him where he was like, hey, buddy? No, I felt uh, to me, it felt genuine. I mean, at this point, Doc's only been out of the well for a little while. Mm hmm. So, and it's, it's got to be revenants that, that unlike Bobo, that he, that he must have enjoyed some interactions with. I just took that as a chance for us to see the balance of, because we're definitely going to see later on with both Fish and Levi, 
that not all the revenants are, you know, big, evil, mean people, you know? Right. So I, I, it kind of humanized things a bit there that he would have been just like excited as heck to see someone. That's the way I took it. Yeah. That's the way I took it too uh, initially, but then I was like, let me see if I can take it another way too. And so I was, I was trying to see if there was any other way that could be taken. Um, so I was curious there. And then for a minute too, I thought maybe, you know, I've always, I'm not the only one, I don't think, but I've always wondered if Doc and Wyatt had like more than a friendship, if they were sweet on each other. Um, and just seeing that there was another like male couple that were sweet on each other from Doc's day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of reading into that too. Like, did they know each other? Like, was this a situation? There was something that he said, and I can't remember it now. And I didn't write it down where I was like, oh, maybe like they kind of like had eyes for each other for a moment back in the day too. But that's just me overthinking about things that quite possibly aren't there. No, I wouldn't say overthinking. That's interesting to kind of see it from that way. I hadn't given it much thought. Mm. Another thing to look at next time I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have enough, right? (laughs) They all stick. They all eventually stick. What, um, yeah, what about that whole fish situation? Like that, just the way that unfolded over the whole episode too was really interesting. Well, I think it was so important here at this point in the series too, to basically humanize the revenants, right? I mean, we see that they aren't all big bats. Uh, and we even see two of them that care very deeply for each other. Um, and the idea of constantly getting, you know, put down by the air and its impact on them. Um, again, this opens up so much more, really. I mean, and the idea that Winona isn't just killing bad guys, because um, she even brings out in a conversation with dolls. I, I just think this was a great point in the series to start to do this, uh, for us to be able to see them differently or see that some of them can be different. Uh, it's taken away some of the stereotypes, which is always wonderful. That's a great thing the show does, is giving us broader perspectives on it. So, I mean, I just, I, I love that about it in the way that they, two of them care for each other and just want to be put down together just so they can be together again. And its impact on Winona, because, you know, the whole conversation that then comes out of um, doing that with Doc and the two of them, you know, talking about being so different, but they're actually so much the same, right. even, even leading to, you know, jumping each other right there. Um, you know, it's, it's so important to what's going to be the basis for how, wine owner is going to deal with a lot of this uh, going forward. Right. And her, um, you know, that the point when fish is basically thanking her and like telling her, you know what, I, I believe in you, you're going to be the one that breaks the curse for all of us. Um, you know, we so often forget that the curse affects the revenants too. It's yeah. not just like what has been placed on the herb family, but that they're victims of this curse just as much as anyone, you know, it's, it's not bad enough that they were killed the first time in their first life, but <laughs> this keeps happening to them over and over and over again. It's like, it's not, you know, for some of the really bad ones, it's a good deal because they keep getting to, you know, wreck havoc. But for the other ones like fish and Levi, it's just like, we just want to go to our afterlife together. <laughs> like we're done with this. We're, 
you know? Yeah. So I just thought that that was really interesting that, like you said, that they're not all horrible people. Yeah. It's not a simple black and white situation. You know, why not a good and then bad? That's, you know, I, I really just appreciate that and, and her doing it and seeing some of her impact on it. Um, you know, and, and like I said, that conversation with Doc, um, you know, talking about revenge, vengeance, having a code. Yeah. Mm, where are we going to hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having it come out here, her saying she has to have a code to be able to deal with all of it. Right. The fact that the two of them basically are the same, you know, uh, bringing that out here and, and man, we're going to have that for four seasons. Right. Talk about that. Big, big stuff. Do you feel like, do you feel like she ever broke her code as time went on? Or do you think she stayed true to that code? Oh man, we're going to have to like a podcast series on that. <laughs> um, Did she break it? Um, she probably just because it's Winona in her head. Did she think she did? Probably not until we get to the whole situation with Holt much, much later in the series. But with her other instances, as we go through seasons one, two, and three, yeah, maybe, but at least she has it in her head. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's foundation thing to give her something. Cause she even says that to, in her conversation with dolls near the end when he's doing, you know, developing the photos and all, you know, I mean, maybe it's a question something. we ask each other each episode, like in this episode, did she break the code? Cause it's hard to look over the whole thing, but if we, you know, if we broke it down at each episode, because it's, you know, she has this checklist and she's so dedicated to that list, right? Like she has this goal. She's got it. And in the beginning, it's the 77. And then when the curse is broken, it's continually protecting Waverly and the family. So, well, and, and even earlier, it's the seven first when right. she realizes she has the shot at that even before all of them. So, but see, the code is going to come to get a little muddied, I think, um, once we see how much protecting Waverly is, is, you know, priority number one, the right. code can get a little gray. Um, if protecting Waverly is more important in the situation. And then we're definitely going to see that. I mean, like, <laughs> but we're then have again, she never says out loud what the code is. No, because like I said, I think this is a, a case of her realizing, okay, it's not just me shooting a bunch of bad guys. I don't, you know, I'm putting myself in her position saying, okay, maybe I don't need a code if it's just all of them are bad and I just need to put them down. Once she starts to see some of them as, shall we say, people or the human mm -hmm. side of them or what was the human side of them, she's got to have a way to deal with the fact that she is putting them down. And that's where she needs to have a code on how to approach it. But is she the type, unlike maybe Waverly, who's good with lists at writing these things down? Um no, might, might what's in the code change from episode to episode? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. This is Winona. Come on. This is Winona. It's, I think it's very situational. It's, a, it's an umbrella of a code loosely <laughs> yeah. falls under this yeah. it's, it's, code but it's, adjacent. It, because it mentally gives her a way to deal with the emotional side of it. You know, because this is also the episode where she, where she brings up, well, not specifically the make your peace quote. But she's talking to them and saying, so you've made your peace. Right. And even with dolls at the end saying, I need to 
give them a chance to make their peace. You know what I'm saying? She needs, she's coming to a different level with it. So I, right. again, I think it's, you know, goosebump kind of stuff for what we then see develop and build from here. Things we know we're going to love relationships. But, but now this is when I have fun, at least for me, trying to go into the mindset of what if it was me in this situation? Right. How would I mentally, you know, put aside that it's a TV show. How would I have to try to deal with it? And I, I bring back, and I know you don't have background on it. Many of the listeners might. Lots of parallels to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because as Buffy developed as a character, you know, taking out demons and vampires and such, she had to deal with the emotional impact of doing that, being the chosen one, you know, being the one that is seen as as the one responsible for saving the world, for saving the loved ones, and and that's that's got to just send your head into a crazy spin. Well, and there's not a handbook for it. No. So you're making up these rules as you go along because, you know, where 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 are the rules? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you have to do what you need to do, but it, it it's very fun to think about. And you're right; just try to like put yourself in that situation, and like you know, until Alice comes along, Waverly's the you know her that's her family that's it that's the closest thing she has to a child and you think uh, being a parent like what you would or wouldn't do to protect your children yes so it's you know and anyone can say like oh but i wouldn't do that until you're faced with a situation until you're in that situation <laughs> where you sorry. have to steal the <laughs> loaf of bread jean valjean ah <laughs> uh, yes like we say, we're going to have a few of those going forward. The the difficult position, the you can't win no matter which way you go. You're, the, for the Star Trek fans, the Kobayashi Maru, you know, uh, the Sophie's Choice. We're going to have some of those. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. So Doc and Winona and their argument at the end. Uh, their before, argument or their foreplay? Yeah, exactly. Before. <laughs> Before they start shedding clothes, getting getting her out of the her dirt. clothes, yeah, <laughs> was always his specialty, right? Um, he says, "Doc says to Inona, I spent over a hundred years in the dark at the bottom of a dried up old well. Do you know what thought I turned over and over in my head? What I lived on, the sheer knowledge that I would pay back the bitch that made me what I am, this monster." So that's that's now. Then we go to 412. And Doc says, I told you a lie when we first met. All those years at the bottom of a well. Yes, vengeance drove my thinking, kept me alive and gave me a purpose. But when it was dark and I was scared, and I have been scared for a long time, Winona, I mostly thought about love. This was, this is the moment he was talking about. I love right? that you brought that in. I love that you brought that in. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just heard this a couple <laughs> days ago. I had to get the exact wording because I'm like, that matches up. That's the lie he told her when they met. That is Doc, isn't it? That is Doc Holliday. He is always or certainly for the better part of the series playing each situation so he gets the most out of it being afraid to completely be vulnerable and open up and the impact that Winona has on him 
so that he eventually can. Right. And also just like playing this, not playing this, but, <clears throat> but playing this long game where it's like, yeah, he's, he's that poker player. He's only showing the cards he can play at this time or the ones that are going to serve him the best. And, you know, saying that to her when really he was this softer, gentler man inside that we didn't always know him to be, but that we learned that he was. We certainly hoped that he was. Yeah. I always had faith. I never lost faith, Kevin. <laughs> I was just, this one blew, like blew me away. I'm like, this is, this is too matchy matchy to not be the moment he's talking about. And it's something uh, it's just so much fun for me. And I, I think it is for most of you. I don't want to speak for any of you, be it yourself, Anne, or any of the listeners. But in the context now of seeing the four seasons that we have so far, being able to go back to this beginning and see some scenes like that and some moments like Winona and Herb's sister, and as we're going to start to see Way Hunt, and then know where they're going to go and the emotion that that rushes in. It's funny, in a slightly parallel way, I had someone mention in a Twitter conversation, um, I mentioned like on a recent, uh, actually today, um, I shared some some of the photo collages that Jill, aka Medley's office on Twitter, created of all of the baby girl mm -hmm. uh, quotes from the show. And um, someone mentioned, you know, and I mentioned how emotional it can make me and for a lot of us, the importance and all. And someone mentioned how I did pretty good the first time when we talked about the first episode, where there were a couple of them and that, you know, I was, I didn't really lose it. I didn't get emotional. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, but there are so many more to come, man. I can't be losing it. The first time you have to pace out. yourself. You can't <laughs> come out of the gates like that. Emotionally. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of Kevin's code. All right. I can't come out crying in every single podcast, but appreciating it. Any of these lines like that beautiful parallel you brought out or dot or the other things we're going to see again i keep coming back to how many shows how many tv shows can create this in all of us to have this emotion that is welling up that we we want to control we want to appreciate it but we also want to control it as we talk about it it's just how blessed we are to have this and getting a little ethereal here but you know it just it ran through my head it ran through my heart too it's it's hard for me to quote passages like that without like I hear my voice crack because like I, I'm reading it and hearing it and I'm seeing the scene in my head and it's like it's when you're not paraphrasing it and you're actually reading those words the way they were they were written and acted I don't know it it makes me goofy each time <laughs> <laughs> I think if that's what it's supposed to do it does it yeah, and that's why I have to laugh a little. Otherwise, it would just well a little too much. I need that release valve a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's why this, you know, this journey that you and I are doing on this, that's why it's so, means so much because it's, it's bringing back so much of that in, in small little doses. Because I definitely remember that, you know, folks like to talk about favorite episodes or rank episodes from the season or whatever. And I kind of remember this one as being, okay, you know, and it was an enjoyable episode as all of them are, but this is definitely one, the more I watch, while it might not be stand out, you know, big way hot scenes or even big herb sister scenes or whatever, 
There is so much stuff here, though, that, that's just like we've just been discussing for the past hour or so that comes in, comes back later, or helps to, to, to really, really forge the direction that some of our characters are going, or some of us as viewers and understanding, again, the, the, the human side of the Revenants. Again, that, that's huge here. That's huge here. Episode five is the fifth episode. So to me, that's for me, I remember as a viewer, it, it was it was changing everything. And, and I think that kind of captures the essence of what we were trying to wrap our head around when we were thinking of like, what is herbology? And that's like you said, people can ask you, what's your favorite episode? And I have a really hard time thinking of favorite episodes because I look out, look at it as more of a big picture. It's like, you know, picking your favorite child or what have you. But there are ones that definitely resonate more with me. But when you take it and you look, like you said, this one didn't stand out to me at surface value. But when you take each episode, looking at it in a different way, knowing everything that we know now, it's like you have more of an appreciation for each individual episode and what it contains in these 45 minutes that it holds. Right. <laughs> so yes. I, I think it's just like, yeah, that basically we're appreciating each and every episode, the way it stands on its own and how it fits into the broader picture. It's like each episode Very well gets its yes. due respect. <laughs> it does. It does. It's, it's just, it's just wonderful to see it. It is. And you, you kind of wonder too, like in the, in the broad picture where there's episodes like this, that initially you thought, eh, I don't remember at face value. I don't remember anything like earth shattering happening. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at all these little breadcrumbs and these little bits that it had in it, you know, could you pull out this piece of the puzzle and see, step back and see the whole puzzle, the whole picture? Yes but it still wouldn't be a complete puzzle. Right. Like you right. have to have each and every one of these episodes. There isn't <clears throat> a throwaway episode in this series. No, that's one of the beauties of it. Again, being, you know, as we have 12 or 13 episode seasons, it's been such a joy from a, from a TV viewer's point of view, for those who may not have been old enough to remember the days where a lot of shows had 20, 22 episodes and you did have fillers or one-offs. Everything is interweaving. And as you said, when you, work, when you look at it, like at the end of your nose, any given episode, and you, you see a certain thing, and then as you push it further away in the context of the season, further away, context of the like most recent seasons, or even further away in the context of the four seasons that we have so far, you're seeing different things. Some of them relate to where it weaves, but some of them also tell you where later down the line when someone is making a decision or uh, drawing a line in the sand of what they will or won't do, you can look back and go, this is where that started. Right. That's what makes it special. And yeah. And you can do that for each individual character and their choices. You can do that for the arc of the story and how it fits in. Yep. Good, good times. Good times. It's <laughs> why we're doing this podcast, right? <laughs> and, and it's funny too, because I, you know, just being the creative, the way I work, I always get a little jittery and I, I'm like, oh, like I said, the, you know, this episode didn't, 
didn't ring a chord in my memory. And then as I'm watching it, I'm still like, "Mm." but then once we get going, I'm like, no, I had tons to say about that episode. I didn't realize it. Like, oh, I only have this many notes, but then we start talking about it and it just, it triggers something where all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, well, what about this theory? What about that? And And the trigger is the right word. And that's where it's so much fun. Certainly, you know, you and I and our nature podcasters talking about it triggers some of these things between us. For other folks, sometimes it's the discussion on Twitter or on a Discord, or if you get together with some herpers on Zoom, it's that chance to experience it with other people in whatever format you're more comfortable with. You know, not everybody wants to record a podcast that lives forever. (laughs) Um, But whatever it might be, that chance to experience it, that they were just two people on Twitter today that jumped on with their Erper greets to mention that they weren't new to the show, but they finally decided to join the Erp Twitter side of things um, for that chance of interacting. I mean, aside from a loving community was just that chance to just throw out a question or two about a show or, or, or like that message we got, we read at the very beginning, that chance to bring out an idea or something that I saw to see what other people think of it. That's what gives a lot of us a spark and a chance to keep this so fresh rather than just that time we watched it. And then that was it. And we look at each episode and we look at the, the behind the scenes. And we also look at the postmortems that were done uh, with Bridget Lashesky on the TV junkies this week. Uh, <laughs> I really liked the way Emily was talking with Bridget about Bobo and uh, <laughs> you know, she, she basically says that, you know, I'll quote her. She says, I'm more interested in the idea that Bobo still seems to have a soft spot for Waverly and speaks about her in a way that is fond. That being said, he's an absolute monster. (laughs) The push and pull of their relationship is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And I love it. Just so casually, like, I don't know about you, but you might want to keep an eye on this. (laughs) And that went over all of our heads at the time. Yeah. Sorry, don't want to speak for everyone, I'm but come sure. on. <laughs> There's no way whenever you went through the series for the first time, you got the importance of what she just said. That is definitely one of those for me when I was rereading it. Breathe in like you like just had a mint that just takes your breath away. Yeah. <laughs> wow is the only thing I could say to that. Wow. Oh, and then, um, yeah, the behind the scenes for this episode were, were very heavy about uh, Bobo and, and Constance as well, and, and Bobo and his coat. So that, that was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hadn't really realized, I just thought that that's the way Michael Eklund's beard grew in. I didn't realize that they bleached it. And it's like another you know, example of seeing how committed he is as an actor when he does things, and certainly how how much he was able to do and willing to do just to become Bobo Del Rey. I just, I can't look at him and not think of him as Bobo Del Rey. He's it's, you know, it's interesting too. And I think we've touched on it. Maybe, maybe we haven't, but you know, when we see any of our, shall we say lead cast or major cast members in other shows, movies, it, it's always a challenge because you get, if you get to know them first a certain way, but Michael's an actor who's been in so many things, and I have seen him in a lot of those things. Um, 
And then to see him as Bobo, it is such a night and day. Obviously, it's a, a, a you know he's got a recurring role and a major one here compared to some of the other shows where he's done one-offs. But yeah, just to see him here, and this is one of those things where, where for those folks who love to do it, the the whole idea of you know what if someone else had been cast, could they have done anything anywhere near as good as what he did here with this? I mean, our our heroes needed a good villain. Man, did he just come to the forefront to do that? And it, it's it's so fun to see that with so many of them too. You know, you go in and, and you support them and you watch them in other roles, and you just there are things where, you know, I've watched Cat Burrell and I'm like, I don't see an ounce of Nicole Hot in this role. You know, it's just like it's like it's a completely different person doing this this thing, and it it just it shows what amazing actors they are. Mm, yes. The casting was just amazing. And again, it's, I've never, this is, this show has changed the way I watch television, the way I analyze and, and what I look for and what I watch. I watched scare house today just because Kat Burrell was in it. And uh, it was more than I bargained for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared for that at all. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that can happen. Certainly when you, when you look at those type of films and such, yes. Spoiler, I was not prepared to see cat die in a bathtub. Like, Stay out of the bathtubs, cat. Stay out of the bathtubs. <laughs> it's not working well for you. <laughs> you hit it. You hit it perfectly as far as the, uh, you know, postmortem between Emily and uh, Bridget. That comment about Bobo. Yes. This, this is why I wanted to make sure we had those as part of our discussion. because There is so much, so much in there. Well, they're a fun way to like tie up the end too, like, yeah, and just to highlight uh, all the work that Bridget and Emily did with that too. Just the commitment to see that through every through week all the episodes. Every episode, yes, yes, this is really quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you can uh, you can find us at herbologypodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail by clicking on the microphone in the bottom right hand of the page, or you can email us directly at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at herbology underscore pod. Yes. And whatever method is most comfortable to you, as you've heard, we've had some great comments from folks that we've played. Um, I should say read on the, here on the podcast. We'd be glad to play any audio stuff if you folks have things to send to us. And, and we get a lot of other great comments too on Twitter. Again, we appreciate them all folks. As we say, every, every recording, because it's true, it's the community side of this that makes this so much fun. Absolutely. And um, can't wait to hear from you. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care, all. Bye.